mandatory minicamp has been anything but quiet for the Chicago Bears. We've got Robert Quinn not showing up, the offseason ups and downs of Justin Fields, player injuries, and so much more. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked On Bears listeners get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. It is a podcast exclusive that includes engagement. Use our promo code Locked On at checkout. On the show today, we check in on Justin Fields. We hear snippets here and there of updates of good days and bad days, and we'll kind of find out you know, what, what we're hearing and where the reality might be somewhere, again, in between the good and the bad at this stage of the offseason. We'll check in on Robert Quinn's holdout. Not sure exactly what he's holding out for other than perhaps a potential trade, but regardless, Robert Quinn not in attendance. More opportunities then for Travis Gibson, who we'll hear from, plus some of the other defensive ends at the, on the depth chart. And we'll wrap up with checking in with Byron Pringle, the new wide receiver, and kind of this awkward and, and I think perhaps unfairly criticized, critis, unfair criticism that came out of his, his press conference questions about his arrest earlier this offseason. But I, I think we need to start with Justin Fields always being the most important part of the offseason. And we sort of get to this similar situation every year, and it's not specific to Justin Fields, and it's not specific to the Chicago Bears, where whether it's voluntary or now mandatory minicamps, you know, we get snippets, only limited amounts of things that media are able to report from those practices and only a limited number of practices that the media are able to report from. And so, you know, we, we had a few days in a row there where it was, you know, quote unquote, defense kind of wins practice that day, you know, maybe a couple of interceptions, one from I think like Jalen Johnson and a tipped one for Jaquan Brisker. I heard about the other day, right? We get some of these sort of news and notes that like, you know, maybe the defense is kind of winning practices at, at this point, And maybe that fields has been, I guess then inaccurate or maybe reckless with the ball or whatever it might be to lead to those turnovers. And I think it's not quite as simple as that. And I I certainly don't think we can draw any sort of sweeping conclusions in mid-June about how Justin Fields' development going. Even Fields himself kind of admitted like, yeah, as the team stands right now, we're not ready to play a game this Sunday, right? They're not preparing that way. They're taking it slow and building up the foundation purposefully. But I also think it's important to keep in mind how they handle things at practice and how the types of throws he might attempt or try in practice aren't always going to be the same as what he would do in a, a live game situation with real stakes and you know different dynamics at play versus practice when that's a little bit more of your time to 
try things, push yourself and expand upon what you're able to do and make those mistakes now to learn from them and not to then repeat them in the regular season. And I thought Matt Eberflus, you know, detailed this a little bit when he was asked about how, you know, how they handle plays like this when, they, when they're broken down at Bears training camp. You know, in a game, Justin Fields might throw the ball away, but at practice, there's not really any value to Justin Fields just throwing it away. No one else gets anything more out of that, so then he will maybe force balls a little bit more. Here's what the head coach said. From like a practice philosophy on offense, if a play breaks down, are you guys asking Justin to throw the ball up anyway so the defense and receivers can get a rep, or do you want him following, you know, hey, no, play broke down, throw it away? Because I've seen it done both ways. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question uh, also. I would say that we let the play go, um, even though that a defensive lineman might come through and and it might be a sack, we let it go because we want to work on our scramble drill on both sides. You know, so we want him to react naturally, you know, throw the ball, one, two, throw the ball, and if it breaks down, let's go ahead and scramble, okay, and then let's work on our scramble coverage and our scramble and our routes and our, our guys getting open too. So we never blow – you'll never hear me blow a, a – oh, that's a sack, you know, unless I want it to be a sack and for down and distance purposes. But typically I'll let the let it just play out. Did anything stand out with Justin today? It seemed like he had a good day. A lot of tight throws. Yeah. Really, really nice day today. Really nice. Uh, made a lot of nice passes in all parts of the field. Uh, his timing was really good, and uh, it was a good day for him. I think it's fair to say there have been days at practice in which – Justin Fields has been better, and there have been days in practice when Justin Fields has been worse. And I think that's a very normal fluctuation, ebb and flow of, of offseason practices, learning a new offense with new wide receivers and a makeshift offensive line in front of him. I don't think, A, we get enough information just in general. like we, Because we get to see and hear so little about so few practices it's not going to be representative of the larger sample of what he actually is doing at these practices in a whole. And even if we, even if we were, I don't know that you know his completion percentage and touchdown to interception ratio at practice are going to be a strong indicator of what kind of success he's going to have in the regular season. Because we also remember many uh, uh, frequently in years past, you know, always great reports of how good Mitch Trubisky looks at Bears practices. And I think even last season, there was some talk that Andy Dalton was really sort of dialing in at Bears practices and, and leading this offense in that way. And them doing good does not indicate that in, in, in the offseason, it's not an indicator that they're going to do great in the regular season. And I think similarly, when we hear occasional reports of, you know, a Fields interception here or there, A, it's not an indicator that he's doing bad overall. And B, it's even farther from an indicator that you know, he's struggling or going to have any sort of issues in, in development at this stage. You know, we'll, we'll find out more at training camp. We'll find out more in the preseason. But really, we will see the development, whether it's happening or not, regular season. I mean, that's really when – that's the only real, like, true applicable time of, like, measuring progress in real ways. Because everything else is a little bit artificial and a little bit removed from, you know, the stakes and the situations that actually will matter. Speaking of being removed, uh, Robert Quinn, not at Bears training camp. Prior, I mean, a man, mandatory mini camp practices. He's removed himself from the situation as of now. The team isn't saying a lot about what exactly is going on, but it has provided some other opportunities for other players at their position. We'll hear from Travis Gibson about how he's dealing with it, what he's sort of expecting from Robert Quinn and himself, and you know what that could mean for his opportunities this offseason next on Locked on Bears. 
Our friends at BlueNile.com are here to help you with all of your jewelry purchases, helping to make sure that you're getting the right piece for that special moment, for that special someone. BlueNile.com has been an online jeweler for a long time, serving customers and really doing a great job of of providing that high quality experience without you know the middleman of the salesperson in person at the jewelry store. You can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Locked on Bears listeners are going to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. It is a podcast exclusive that does include engagement rings. Just use our promo code Locked On. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Every order is insured, it ships for free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. No matter what you're looking for, shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. So far, no Robert Quinn in Chicago, but this is really the the big first step because everything up to this point had been voluntary team activities. And as far as I know, he was not the only one not participating in voluntary team activities. I think Mario Edwards had missed some. al Muhammad, I think, had also missed some. The defensive end positions especially seem to be where uh, players were choosing to you know work out on their own and, and do their own program during the offseason, which... Matt Eberflus kind of expressed the whole time that like, yeah, it's voluntary. So we're not mad at them. He kept saying like, we would prefer that they were here, but we're in communication with them. And, you know, we respect what they are going to do and, you know, hope to have them, you know, here later in the offseason program. So now we're, we've reached that later in the offseason program and Robert Quinn's still not here. And Matt Eberflus has basically just kind of said, you know, he's going to let Ryan Poles handle that situation and they're going to work with the guys that are there, but it all circles around this idea that Robert Quinn may want to be traded and maybe not want to be a part of this, you know, don't call it a rebuild rebuild in Chicago. And that, you know, after a 18 sack season or whatever it was that he's sort of not necessarily ready to cash in, in terms of like, you know, a bigger contract because he already is on a fairly significant contract, but just cash in in terms of like leverage that he's going to be most valuable right now, perhaps to another team, but makes it perhaps then more difficult to trade him. So, you know, we don't know a lot about where exactly that situation stands. It's a hard time of the calendar right now to try and trade Robert Quinn. You know, teams you know, have salary cap space. I mean, some, but not a ton across the board. And I think there's a handful of teams that have, you know, upwards of the, you know, the 20 plus million dollars to have some of that wiggle room to bring him in, as I'm looking at our friends at at OverTheCap.com, Browns, Panthers, well, would include the Bears, Cowboys, Raiders, and Steelers are the only team with 20 plus million dollars in a salary cap space. And and Robert Quinn's salary cap hit this season is well, it, it's it's 17 million dollars. I think if they trade him, they could work out the numbers in a different way to maybe make it less expensive for the future team. But regardless. He would cost a lot for any team that's going to trade for him, and that's why it makes it difficult to trade for him at this stage. So we'll kind of see how that 
plays out from here, I'm guessing it, it will linger through to training camp a little bit before any potential Robert Quinn trade is, is made. If, if And then maybe Quinn shows up for training camp, but just not this part of the mandatory. Many camps, we'll, we'll kind of see from there. But it is a bigger opportunity for Travis Gibson, especially because they just released Jeremiah Tauchu as well. So Gibson's going to obviously step into right now with Quinn out that starting role. And, and he's he's not getting too caught up in, in all of this. For the most part, he kind of is given the impression that like, Quinn's there, Quinn's not, it's not going to really change how Gibson goes about what he wants to do. With Robert not here, do you view this as an opportunity for you to put more stuff on film and practice? Um, you know, not necessarily, no. I'm just focused on my opportunities and my job, you know, just taking it day by day and OTA by OTA. Are you getting more of them, though? Nah, my, my reps have been consistent, and, um, you know, like I said, those are just opportunities to get better and excel my game. Do you, do you wish Quinn was out here? You know, I think I want Quinn to do what's best for him. You know, if he feels like, you know, he can do his job, you know, doing other things, you know, whether that's recovery or whatever the case may be, you know, we saw what he produced last year. So I think my trust in him is <laughs> really up there. I know he's doing what he has to do best. I think whether Gibson is the starter versus you know, how much Robert Quinn is here. It, it, I mean, if Robert Quinn is completely gone, certainly that's going to mean more snaps for Travis Gibson and, and more truly making him the starter. Because I think, you know, as of right now, Al-Qadeen Muhammad would probably be the at least first string guy opposite Robert Quinn because he was a 17-game starter for Matt Eberflus's defense last year. And Gibson has not, I mean, it's just in his third season. He had some great production last season in that rotational edge rusher role, albeit with, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and, you know, that Bears front seven certainly helps that a little bit too. So, I mean, obviously with no Quinn, Gibson would step into that starting role. But I think regardless of if if Quinn is here, you're going to see a rotation at that defensive end spot. Like you know, last season with when Gibson wasn't a starter, he played just under 500 snaps last season. I mean, it wasn't, that's not quite a starter, but it's definitely, you know, on the higher end, a lot of different rotation there at the edge rusher spot. Like I think as I look back to last season, the, as far as like a snaps dif- differentiation goes, like Alkadine Muhammad, the starter in Indianapolis, played 800, and Robert Quinn played 755. I know obviously the Bears had some injury there with uh, Khalil Mack that his numbers won't be quite as as representative there. But right, he, he, Gibson's not that far off in terms of like total number of snaps played. I think among edge rushers, his snap total last season was 66, so just outside of the. Well, actually, technically inside of the top 64, if you're thinking each team starts two edge rushers, like as the Bears sort of half de facto starter for a lot of that season. So I think there's big opportunities for Quinn in this defense to, or for Gibson in this defense to build on what he was able to do last year. And, can you know, can he can he sort of become maybe a little bit more well-rounded in terms of run defense? Can he continue that production when he doesn't have Mack and Quinn in the rotation with him taking a lot of the attention of opposing defensive or opposing offensive line because you know this is not a, a defensive line that's nearly as stacked with talent as it has been in previous years. A lot of younger guys and guys that they're asking to step up into bigger roles that would only be magnified even more by the absence of Robert Quinn. I mean, you'd be looking at Muhammad, Justin Jones, Mike Pinnell, Angelo Blackson types with Gibson on the outside, and that's a very different dynamic than having Quinn or Mac opposite you pretty much every time you rush the passer. So it's going to get more difficult for Gibson. It's going to get more difficult for Mario Edwards Jr. Or if Dominique Robinson, you know, gets more opportunity 
in that rotation. That's why it was almost a little bit of a surprise to see them still release Jeremiah Atoucher the other day, because having not released him right away after June 1st when they when it was first most plausible to do so, but they kept holding on to him and just released him and happened to be the day or two before Robert Quinn officially didn't show up for mandatory minicamp, but I'm guessing the team had a pretty good feeling Robert Quinn wouldn't be there. So I think regardless, there's going to be more on Gibson's plate this season. We need to continue to sort of round out his game and develop, you know, additional pass rush moves and, and finalize that technique. But I think at least not having to drop back in coverage and being able to focus purely on rushing the passer and, and stopping the run can also help simplify things a little bit more for him and give him more of a specific focus to further his game in this new Bears defense. Those were kind of the big dueling storylines, narratives out of the start of Bears mandatory minicamp. But there was another thing that kind of at least flew a little bit under the radar, at least as far as I could tell. That, But the we, we heard from Byron Pringle, the wide receiver, for the first time since his arrest early this offseason. And he, I don't know, he seemed to take... Uh, not not offense, but seemed to take kind of a exception. Is the word I was looking for? Seemed to take exception to being asked about it, even though like what like what did he expect? So we'll we'll, we'll play the audio of of Pringle kind of going through that and the tweet Pringle had afterwards, and kind of kind of make sense of how this is all supposed to work. Next on Locked On Bears, the Locked On Bears podcast is powered by our friends at Built Bars, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bars. And they keep coming out with great new flavors. And fortunately, they always let us try them. And they just sent us a fresh box of their new flavor, Mud Pie. And if you don't know what Mud Pie tastes like, it's like a a rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumbles. I mean, it is incredible. It tastes like a candy bar, like most Built Bar flavors do, but like all other flavors, it's low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. We're talking 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked a delicious creamy chocolate mud pie, wrapped it up for you, but it's good for you, right? It's It can satisfy that sweet tooth without loading you up with all that extra sugar and crap that you don't need. Head on, if you want to try it for yourself, tasting is believing, head on over to Built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. The red flags went up earlier this offseason when wide receiver Byron Pringle was arrested, I believe in Florida, for some kind of reckless driving and doing, I think he was doing donuts in a parking lot with what was reported to be a, a child in the car and sort of these questions about, you know, his his maturity and his, you know, responsibility, especially with a child in there and, like, why is he doing this in the first place and, you know, all, all these sort of questions about a, a 28-year-old wide receiver is not a young, young wide receiver, but still, you know, early, early this is not a 35-year-old veteran. So there's a sort of a middle ground where, where Pringle is at this stage of in his career. And so... Given that that happened a few months ago and we haven't really gotten to hear from or, or see much of Byron Pringle at all here this offseason, he made his first media appearances just yesterday to kind of talk to the media about, you know, what's going on in, in learning the system and working with Justin Fields. But of course, it's almost like he didn't expect to be, be asked about the arrest when that's like, A, it's the, the media's job and B, it's also sort of like the fair thing to do for the player to at least give them 
the chance and the opportunity to tell their side of the story and, and set the record straight if they want. But here's sort of a, what was kind of an, an awkward exchange here with wide receiver Byron Pringle. Byron, what happened uh, down in Florida when you were arrested, and what are your thoughts looking back on that situation now? Oh, I'm, I had talked to Coach, talked to uh, Poles, and uh, before the it hit the media and everything squared away in-house, so, you know. What are, your, what are your thoughts on the situation, though? On what? No thoughts on it. When you join a new team and, and you, know, you have a fan base that doesn't know you, or, you know, or is getting to know you, and then they see your, your name in a headline for that reason, that, it, that's obviously not the greatest first impression in the world, right? No, sir. What do you want people to know about you? I'm just a hard worker, man. I love the game. You know, things happen. The report said there was a child in the car. Was the child your child or someone else's? It, whatever you read in the, in the media is all good, uh, whatever they say. Pringle went on Twitter after that and quote tweeted the Bears link to his press conference and, and tweeted, I'm just here to play football, not answer, and then clown emoji questions, not answer clown questions. And then he tweeted also, bear down. And there was I, I was surprised by the number of Bears fans that kind of you know jumped in and were like, yeah, man, those... Those reporters were, you know, were th- th- those were dumb questions, or they were, they you know they weren't being responsible. Like they were just trying to get you, you know. We we should you know shame them, hate that reporters are trying to you know poke and prod about all this stuff and and blah 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 blah. And I, I just I feel like like there's a misunderstanding of how this process is supposed to work, and I also think there's kind of a a, a lose lose type of situation here, right? Like Byron Pringle had hadn't been in front of the media or in front of the public since the arrest. So he a, should have fully expected a questions about it. Not that maybe he didn't, he didn't, he didn't respond as though he was unprepared to respond, but like, I don't know why he's like upset that they asked about it. Like that's, that's sort of their job is to try and find out what happened and find out the truth. And certainly, you know, like TMZ reported a lot of the details about the initial thing and citing police reports, which are then going to be an accurate source of information for TMZ to then sort of share. But it's like if, but you also, I think you see the opposite where it's like players will get mad when the media reports something and be like, Oh, you should have talked to me. Like, you know, you should have come to me and you know, like you didn't let me tell my side of the story. So it's like, that's what they're doing by asking him these questions, right? They're not, they're not like specifically like, chastising him they're just saying like you know like you could you could sort of softly hear the questions there it's like could you kind of tell us about what happened and you know what do you think about all that was happening and do you think it was a i mean do you think it was a bad first impression like those are all like fairly straightforward questions they're not trying to like get him right you know they don't gain anything like the people asking like jason leisure and pat finley and them like they, they don't like go home and go like oh yeah i got Byron Pringle today, right? They're, they don't, it doesn't advance their careers to ask those questions and try and get answers. It's just, it's how you hold people accountable for their actions. It's part of the, sort of part of the process, call it part of the punishment or just part of the process in general. That's like to be able to be held responsible for these things to, it's to at least be asked about it. No one forced him to spread, tell, tell everything that happened. I mean, he, he's allowed to answer it the way he did, and that's totally fine. What I where I draw the line is when he goes on Twitter and calls them clown questions, right? He's allowed to dodge them, and you know I would wouldn't have been if he had just like had some statement about like you know I'm not going to talk about that, just focused on football, just not going to get into that, not going to get into that, whatever, whatever. 
I wouldn't. I mean, I would prefer he would actually just tell the whole situation. Just say, yeah, you know, I was doing something dumb and kind of messed up or whatever, and and you're not going to let it happen again. Sure, that would be ideally. But like, I didn't like that he just goes to Twitter and is like, oh, these guys are t- asking clown questions. Like, no, that's that's their job to ask those questions and to give you that opportunity to tell your side of the story and set the record straight. That you know, maybe there are like that's why Jason Leeser asked at the end there. Like, there were reports. That there was, your kid was in, the, there was a child in the car. Like, was that your child? And like Pringle could have come out and said, actually, no, there wasn't a child in my car. Those reports are wrong. And I'm setting the record straight. You know what I mean? Like, that's why you ask that to give him that opportunity to do so. And he, and he declined to do so. And it's everything within his right to decline to do so. But I, I think it, it's, it's dumb and doesn't understand how the process works when he then goes on Twitter and complains about having been asked those questions. So that's the sort of, mini Byron Pringle storyline here, the little tiff that I just thought even Bears fans were coming to Byron Pringle's side there. And I, I just think that's also sort of missing the point and missing how the process works there in terms of journalism and asking questions and giving players the opportunities to tell their side of the story and set the record straight. You know, we're always going to try and set the record straight here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So I hope you'll hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen today, all you basketball fans out there should check out the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. The first picks have already been made in our mock draft. We got over 50 insiders and Odyssey sports experts and draft experts from Lockdown NBA Big Board. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is already underway. Make that Mock Draft your second listen today, wherever you found this Locked on Bears podcast. Like I said, we're doing more like three days a week for the rest of June and and up to training camp in July, so we're not going to be every single day here for you, but I hope every time you tune into Locked on Bears that, hey, you keep coming back, and most importantly, I hope it helps you bear down.